0: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason, and with me I have two very fine guests. They are both writers, and one is the host of the Take It or Break It podcast, and one often appears with him, and both are part of a new series for the Take It or Break It podcast exclusively on Patreon, talking about uh, the Michael Jordan years. Uh, welcome
2: to Corbin Smith and John Wilms. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. I have I have I been on this before you've been on mine I'm not sure if I've been on this
0: uh I think you I think you run my other podcast uh, briefly but that I briefly had but I'm not not sure you've actually uh, been on the over and by classic NBA be a podcast so
2: oh wow yeah well I'm happy to be here for the first time yeah first time long time
0: yeah it has, it has been a while well uh, I'm a big fan of uh, your guys's show it's a it's a lot of uh, fun and uh i'm glad you guys are getting into the uh, nba history game because we always welcome some uh, good contributions to that
2: thank you thank you you know J- you know jason a little piece of me was worried when when i started doing the podcast that we were uh that we were you know that we were eating o- we were eating out of your toilet a little bit you know yeah. that we were uh perfect uh, yeah, like stomping on your grounds, and and so we're. Ha- I was very happy to. I was very happy to get a stamp of approval after we started.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, I am I'm, I'm very excited. No, it's uh. I honestly, I I'm happy to see more discussion about it, more people learning about it, and you know, we're very positive about it. So it's a uh, it's a good time. So I think what you guys are doing kind of led into what we wanted to discuss here, which is that time that David Robinson was awarded the MVP and then got uh embarrassed by Kim oh. and yeah yeah um this is a time in which uh Michael Jordan was uh on his well, he had actually returned at this point but it, it was uh he was it was uh, at the end of his hiatus of uh from the league and it was definitely a time and I think you say this about the larger 90s as well, but it was definitely a time, specifically during this point, where the big man was very, very central into the game. Akeem and David Robinson, obviously, um, being among the two. Patrick Ewing, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, a, a really great crop of big men during this time.
3: Yeah, I, I love that it got, it got back to big men narratives and big men dominance almost immediately when Jordan left, right? Because it's the 1994 Finals is Hakeem versus Patrick Ewing, and then there's this uh, Western Conference Finals the following year that we're going to talk about, in which the Western Conference Finals almost functions as the Finals because the Magic that year were not—they're kind of shook basically, and they weren't ready. Um, but it's Hakeem versus David Robinson, and then it's Hakeem versus Shaq in the '95 Finals. And one of my favorite um, anecdotes from this this Jordan uh, hiatus, big man Renaissance. Uh, was sort of this moment in, I think it was the 94 All-Star Game, maybe the 93 All-Star Game, where where Shaq was riding high on uh, just being like a really sensational new force in the league. And Hakeem and David Robinson, much in the way that uh, Michael Jordan experienced uh, in his rookie season, uh, sort of conspired to embarrass Shaq in the All-Star Game, uh, where uh, Hakeem really just shut him down defensively they hold them for like two of 12 shooting or something and then hakeem and i mean david robinson just takes him off the ball and roasts him offensively uh in the all-star game to sort of to sort of take him down a peg um and so this matchup between hakeem and david robinson very much fits into uh that sort of uh these big men sort of almost bottlenecked and clamoring for like the crown as soon as jordan leaves
0: and it was the perfect time for a team too. I mean, he really stepped up in that vacuum and he had really the perfect complementary team around him with, um, you know, a lot of really good uh, three-point shooters.
2: <laughs> yeah, really, really, a really fascinating team, actually, I think, because, you know, me and John have been watching a lot of these old Bulls games recently. And compared to the modern NBA, I think that those teams seem like they're playing on Mars. But in watching these this Rocket Squad and also and also the Spurs Squad they were playing against, like it's actually um, weirdly modern in a lot of ways. There's a lot of spacing, a lot of three point shooting, a lot of sort of pivoting around a guy instead of you know the stuff that the Bulls were doing uh, right after this, which was uh, jamming everybody into a tiny triangle in the paint and uh and and just like doing all of these complicated cuts and letting Jordan be people in isolation so like yeah actually uh uh weirdly weirdly forward thinking even though they are teams built on that least forward thinking of concepts uh the large man
3: yeah and i um well, Jason noted in our earlier conversation that they took advantage of a shorter three point line too. Yeah. They took a lot of threes. And they almost played offense the way that like the Van Gundy Dwight Howard Magic played offense, but with just a way better post player and way better playmaker. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's it's kinda of funny ha- to watch.
2: That. Handsomer too, uh less irritating, uh better Muslim, certainly, you know. C-
3: certainly, yeah, way more into um the Koran, I would yeah. say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I, that's that's a fair point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, speaking of handsome, Clyde Drexler, I've always found him very handsome. I think he's one of the more remarkably handsome uh, players in, uh, in NBA history. This feels he's,
2: like you're, this feels like you're standing for bald people to me.
3: But he's one of the few people who can get away with like a like a faint mustache. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Most people have a faint mustache and it's sort of like, you know, you grow it out. If you can, yeah. or get or get rid of the thing. You gotta
2: go one way or the other with that mustache, man.
3: He's rocking the mid zone. It's a rare yeah. thing and it's nice to see.
0: Brief aside, Corbin, do you have complicated feelings about Clyde Drexler given that, of course, you know, he had his best years in Portland? And... I, you know,
2: you, you know, I think that most Portland fans are pretty universally pro Clyde Drexler. Okay. And I and I am with them. Okay. Um uh the team was not doing great when he went to Houston. Uh it was it was it was like a time it was like a time to leave situation and like like uh, the 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 road that goes into the stadium the in the loading zone in the stadium is like named Drexler Drive you know I I he is he is generally thought of as the greatest or second greatest player in the history of the franchise and so I you know. I don't think people have like a complicated relationship to Clyde Drexler at all.
3: Yeah, yes, yeah. and this it's a good place to pick up sort of the story leading into this game, right? Where they had traded the Rockets had traded for Clyde Clyde Drexler some like three months ago, basically, right? A
2: Houston legend at this point, played with Hakeem uh, in college as well
3: at Houston, right? The at Five slamma jamma team, which yeah. Hakeem and Clyde barely lost in the national championship game in that classic north carolina state uh, you know
2: i you know me me and i don't me, i was watching a documentary about hakeem today to prep for this and uh and he, and he lost to uh nc state at that it's like one of the famous yeah all-time ncaa upsets uh you know jimmy valvano uh, an inspirational figure uh so many wonderful things you can say about that nc state team i was mostly mad hakeem didn't win same like, while watching it how do you f- how do you feel about it jason
0: Uh, I, you know, I don't have strong opinions about college basketball, so I, uh, it it, it is interesting looking at it now because, you know, there's no emotion. I I think few of us who are not NC State fans have any emotion, uh, invested into that, into that team. And of course we, yeah, I think Elijah Warren is pretty universally loved among, uh, you know, basketball fans. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's sort of like, it's the denial of the guy, but at the time he was the Goliath and the, you know, and, and David beat them. So um, it is interesting, divorce in that context, how different that feels.
3: So Hakeem comes back to Houston the next year. Clyde goes into the draft. Right? Hakeem goes back for a year, and he's like, I'm going to win. He's it's gnawing at him. He wants to win the national championship. Loses again in the national championship game. This time to Georgetown, led by Patrick Ewing, who
2: who doesn't even have the the who isn't even honorable enough to not
3: wear an undershirt.
2: <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs>
3: hakeem <laughs> just has no team at this point like yeah. drexler's left ewing has a way better team everybody kind of knows that hakeem is better than ewing but ewing wins the national championship game and of course that rivalry carries over to 1994 finals the year before the game we're going to be talking about when the rockets beat the next seven games in the nba finals john
2: uh, john starks famously uh, plays one of the worst nba finals games of all time
3: yeah like seriously mm-hmm. james harden style performance Wow, cold.
0: But I think it's probably worse than anything James Harden ever did, though.
3: You know, it's probably true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you yeah.
0: combine all the rockets from that game seven, you know that uh, that when they missed like twenty straight three pointers, that that's kind of what Starks was in that in that game.
3: So Akeem goes to the NBA. They're almost instantly pretty good with him because they have Ralph Sampson as well, who's seven foot four and like unusually athletic for a seven foot four guy. And they, like, sort of shocked the world and make it to the finals in 1986. They like, they beat the Lakers in five games, I think, in the Western mm-hmm. Conference Finals. They includes Which includes one of the more insane buzzer beaters I had never seen before, which everybody should watch. Yeah. It's like they're down. They're either tied or down by one with, like, a second left in a closeout game in L.A. And they throw it into Ralph Sampson. Who's not even facing the basket with a second left and like catches and turns and releases all in one motion and it goes in and then they go to the finals. And then they lose to the Celtics, 86 Ooh. Celtics. Yeah. yeah. Boo. Regardless as one of the better teams of all time. Yeah, whatever. Who cares?
0: The Rockets win is also notable because uh, Mitch Kupchak uh in his final NBA game uh started a fight with Akeem and got him throw got both of them thrown out of the game.
3: Oh, there's going to be another reference to a classic NBA fight later uh, involving Rockets coach, 1994 Rockets coach, uh, Rudy Tomjanovich. But at this point, after 86, the assumption is hey, like this Rockets team is really, you know, forgive the yeah. taking off. Um, however, Samson gets hurt the following year. Shocker. Seven foot four athletic dude gets hurt, right? Um, they only get past one round of the playoffs. And then shit really goes bad for Hakeem, right? They don't win another series for five years. And it's I think that it. Jason made the comparison earlier to his situation with the Rockets over these stagnant years. Sort of like the dynamic that Ka- the Kawhi is is in with the Spurs right now. And that we've seen a number of disgruntled players in.
0: Yeah, and there was a lot of um, issues with people accusing you know, Hakeem of exaggerating an, an injury. And he even
2: did... Uh, yeah, his owner did. His owner literally was like, "You are exaggerating an injury."
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, that got very personal, very, very quickly, and um, you know, and the Rockets were like a really weird, like they just decided to basically throw out the same team there every year, even though they were winning like you know forty forty five games, which obviously is like your minimum with a key with a player that brilliant, but they really did not have a, a team that was well built around him. They just kind of kept tr- charging out the same. Uh, thing and um you know with the, with the same pattern until they kind of figured it out in uh, in 93 um a got happier the team got better and then of course built to the 94 championship season
3: satisfyingly enough rockets owner charlie thomas who was the one who got into a spat with Hakeem about faking an injury or whatever the fuck it was um sorry um he he ends up selling the team in ninety three and doesn't isn't around to, to enjoy the championships that they get right after that. Yeah.
2: Eat it. Eat it, old man.
3: And so ninety-three is a good year for the Rockets, though. They get Vernon Maxwell, they get a lot of these good players, um, to perfectly compliment Hakeem, who's also just gotten better himself, right? He's he's become a way better playmaker, um, most of all. And he's become just a lot more calm in his like moves and everything. We're like these masterful fakes and footwork that he's known for that was this is when this stuff starts to really flourish right he is he
2: has embraced his muslim faith he uh he doesn't uh he uh fasts on ramadan now he uh yeah is he's a he's a he's a totem of of calm you know in an nba that i think was um stormier than a lot of nbas we've had i'd even go as far to say stormier how well, I you know, we're talking about Jordan a lot lately. Um, I mean, there's truly no more troubled, successful soul imaginable than Michael Jordan. Uh, Bar- Barkley certainly a bit of a tempest in a teapot. Uh, e- e- Ewing, entirely too sweaty. Uh, it, it was a rowdy, I mean, you know, it was yeah. like an earlier rowdy, it was a bit of a rowdy time. Like, it was a rowdy time not in the way that, like, Iverson was a rowdy time, but it was a rowdy time in that These dudes had outsized personalities and always seemed kind of on the precipice of breaking up like a space shuttle. You know what I mean?
0: That contrasts a little bit with Magic and Bird where, you know, Magic yeah, had had the squeaky clean reputation and, and Bird was quiet, but didn't, I mean, he stood out with his play, but didn't really, you know, he was kind of, you know, aw shucks when you got anything out of him. So, and they were both, um, you know, some of their uh, rough edges were hidden by the media coverage that they had at the time, but, um, you know, they, they were kind of the, yeah, obviously they were the faces of the league in the '80s and kind of established this baseline of like you know non-controversial you know success. Yeah. And then the rough the, Kareem, the personalities.
2: Kareem was an Kareem was a pretty antsy dude for his first, first ten years, but it, when he was playing with Magic, I think that was probably less the case. Yeah,
3: yeah, agreed. It, yeah. it was more of a bastards league back then, I would say. There, <laughs> there are bastards in the league now, like for instance Draymond Green, um, but they're a little they're a little more conspicuous. And a little more anachronistic. Right?
2: Joel, Joel, I would go as far to say. Joel is definitely a bastard.
3: He's definitely a bit of a bastard. Way, like, super into the head games. Going to get away with any sneaky, dirty play he can get away with. Definitely going to try to, like, yeah, get that like, huge, like, psychological and physical edge, extra physical edge in the game. Um, whereas, at this time, the league is completely that way. Everybody's doing that. Um, all the best players are doing that. And for somebody like Hakim... To be like just like very centered and religious amidst this um, is notable, obviously. So the ninety four, ninety three, ninety four Rockets are basically the best, if one of the best, if not the best team in the league, pretty much all season. Um, and they win the championship, right? They get a pretty good fight from the Knicks, um, seven games. Obviously, it's it's a good fight. But um,
2: is the MVP. Hakeem uh, is the
3: MVP. Nobody surprised. Depoy,
2: DPOY two, as I recall.
3: Uh, not, yeah, 94-95, the season we're looking at, not that way. No. Like, the weight of expectations makes this a much different season because the team doesn't necessarily bear those expectations very gracefully throughout the season.
0: Yeah, and, and this led to a really incredible uh, playoff run. You know, one of the greatest in NBA history. They were the lowest seed to ever win an NBA Finals, being the sixth seed. And they were the first to beat four fifty game winners uh, to do so. The two thousand one Lakers later did it as well. But uh, you know they were only eleventh in the league in SRS that year. You know forty seven and thirty five, obviously a pedestrian record. Um, you already talked about the uh, the mid season trade uh, sending Otis Thorpe for uh, Clyde Drexler, which honestly was not a didn't really. Right away, improved the team. They did. They had a worse record after the trade than they did before the trade. And similar SRS, they um, didn't really come together until the the playoffs themselves.
3: Yeah, and the so part of the reason, uh, perhaps the main reason, they actually end up pulling the trigger on the trade was a week before it happened. Vernon Maxwell, who was really good oh, yeah. for the team, this gets is crazy. in a gets in a fight with a fan. He goes actually in Portland, where Drexler is playing at this point,
0: Ooh, and,
3: which apparently the Portland Trailblazers' home court was just uh, a you know a microwave of dis- of discontent at this Yeah, point.
2: yeah, yeah. Look, uh, I don't know. Look, Memorial Coliseum, baby. You know, uh, it's a, you know, it, there's no more old Portland place than uh, the Mor- Memorial Coliseum.
3: So this is I think this is the first year that Rick Adelman is not coaching the Blazers, right? And PJ Carlesimo, who yes, that's, everybody that's correct to me. Who everybody hates playing for. Latrell Spruell literally chokes him a few years later. Yeah. Um, Drexler doesn't like playing there. It's not a great environment. Vernon Maxwell goes into the stands to fight a fan who is who was talking smack. Right. Maxwell later alleges that this guy was saying racist stuff. This guy was. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say, I probably believe Vernon Maxwell on that one.
3: He also, Vernon Maxwell also alleges that this person was saying very specific things about, um, Maxwell's stillborn child, which is really not okay. Good God. The fan later says, I didn't say any of that. I didn't even know he had a stillborn child, which, you know, I probably lying, you know, in any event, Vernon Maxwell was always kind of a hothead. He gets suspended 10 games. While he's suspended, they trade for Drexler. Oh. Maxwell comes back and is very unhappy because Drexler has basically usurped his role on the team, right? Now, all of a sudden, he's a reserve. Maxwell ends up... This is a really important player to their championship run. Ends up just straight up leaving the team after one playoff game. Yeah, crazy. They just invent an injury and allow him to go away, which is what I think that happened with the Cavaliers and Derrick Rose this year, by the way. I mean, I that,
2: but, I mean but in the... In, Game, I, we, we, I watched. I actually accidentally watched a different game as well as the game. Uh, like People knew that Maxwell was discontented about his playing time. I mean, how could you not be, right?
3: Yeah. They, they go out and trade for a legendary player who's playing at your position yeah. after you played at that position winning a championship.
2: See, see, this is what happens when you double down on positionality, though. You know what I mean?
3: That's true. Yeah,
0: the 90s were nothing if not doubling down positionality, though
2: yes that is the case there's there is literally like one of the i think wild things about michael jordan i think is that there is like not another player who is more shooting guard than michael jordan you know what i mean
0: yeah well i like in a weird way almost kobe is like more shooting guard than michael jordan but not like in a good way
3: yeah 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 that's that might be there i would say that it's in a a bad way actually oh yeah yeah (laughs) yeah
2: a hideous way a heinous way a, a league ruining way kobe kobe is like the ultimate dude who wasn't a bastard but like was just constantly trying to convince everybody and himself that he was you know what i mean yeah he's a cause he's like he's a cosplay superstar for sure oh yeah for, oh one thousand percent yeah
3: yeah he's basically like some like a dude who's way into like way too into like civil war reenactment yeah <laughs>
0: I don't know. I do. I, I see what you guys are saying, but I do think that being a bastard just kind of came naturally to him, given some of the uh, given some no, of the no, behavior. No, but
2: no, 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 no. I mean, uh, I mean, he was a prick, certainly. Sure. He was like a jerk. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he was a bastard. Okay. You I know, get That right. doesn't I, mean that he was like you know that he was like one of these dudes who like he wasn't a rogue in any way. You know what I mean? Like sure. Draymond is a rogue. Yeah uh 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 i think mj on a certain level has a sort of roguish spirit i think especially in his post-playing career for instance jason you've probably seen this picture recently of uh michael jordan uh holding a two-thirds drank bottle of tequila and walking down the street with notably red eyes i I, i've heard about this yes uh uh, things of that nature
3: happens to be right after lebron loses the finals and thus loses loses points in the legacy debate
2: yeah yeah it's yeah it's pretty easy to imagine that perhaps michael jordan was out celebrating that he was still better than lebron
3: uh, uh
2: it seems possible
3: that yeah. he would have been celebrating such a thing very very publicly
2: yeah um uh, but co but i i think kobe doesn't quite have that uh, th- uh thing where he's like a, a
3: rogue there's too there's too much control there Listen, any way you want to say something bad about Kobe is...
2: Oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. We will a 1,000% get on board. I don't... So, look, I can't speak for Jason, but it's anything bad you want to say about Kobe. Me and me and Wilms will be on to...
3: Andrew Bynum was better than he was. Absolutely. 100% all the way. Yeah. Um. To return to our subject... Reggie well, Miller, better than Kobe. To return to our subject, this Rockets team, post-Vernon Maxwell, ends up, as we said, going on one of the more spectacular playoff runs of all time. Probably most spectacular is their second-round series against the Phoenix Suns, who they went to a seven-round series with in the playoffs the previous season as well. And this is just Charles Barkley's heart getting ripped out over and over and over again, right? And perhaps in this series more than ever, because the Suns go up 3-1, and they have home court advantage, and they've been the better team all season. And all these Rockets guards and wings and role players just sort of Start becoming unbelievable assassins and making every clutch shot they need to, and playing in perfect inside-out symmetry with Hakeem. Perhaps the most famous of all these, all the many shots they make, is Mario Elie's. I think it was Game Seven, um, uh, Game Winning Three, where he does it, and then he does like a kiss of death into the air, um, and. This is the high that the Rockets are riding on going in to San Antonio. We should probably set up the Spurs a little bit before we get into the meat of this game, too. We've been talking a lot about the Rockets.
2: Somebody tell me about the
0: Spurs. Uh, the Spurs actually are kind of a—I've a, a, forgotten some of the players who are on this team. Um, of course, uh, Dennis Rodman is there the second of his two seasons with the— uh, With the Spurs, Uh, he and uh, Robinson definitely made an interesting pair, although they they did perform well on the court, at least uh, during the regular season. Um, Spurs mainstays, uh, Sean Elliott, uh, Avery Johnson, and uh, Vinny Del Negro. Also, uh, Doc Rivers toward the end of his
2: career. uh, Just just for for some reason, this team just had every insufferable coach on it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every coach you don't like now was on
3: that Spurs team. Yes, yeah, I Vinny. F- this is all coaches. I for- I couldn't. I didn't realize that. That's crazy.
2: Doc, Avery Johnson. Just like dude. Uh, 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 uh. Who, uh who the, who's the who's the fella who calls Spurs games now really poorly? Sean Elliott. It's just like a thousand dudes who maybe people were like, that's a good dude at the time, but now you're like, oh my god, I loathe that guy.
0: Well, they were mostly fun players. Um, uh, Chuck Person, the rifleman, of course, uh, Terry Cummings, uh, even Moses Malone, uh, who he now, at this point, he retired early on in the season. Uh, He did attend this game. I'm not sure if he was in, like, part of the Spurs staff or just happened to uh, be there to celebrate Robinson's MVP since he was a former three-time MVP, but uh, he was there as well. So they were... uh, you know, sixty-two and twenty, which was had been their best uh, season uh, so far in uh, history, it was their first year for Greg Popovich as general manager and Bob Hill as the uh, coach. Um, they had they had won fifty-five years, fifty-five games the year before, but they lost in the first round, which uh, made them change their regime. Uh, in the playoffs, they actually uh, swept the Nuggets uh, handily uh, with uh, Robinson dominating to Kevin and they beat the oh, what a uh, shame,
2: what yeah. a shame. <laughs>
0: And they beat the Lakers four to two with uh, Robinson leading both teams and scoring in five of the uh, six games. So
2: I was at a I was at a party last. I, can I tell a? Ver- I'm going to tell a very brief side story. I was at a party last night uh, for the NBA MVP awards, which were last night. And my uh, my uh, girlfriend uh, Maureen was with me. And uh, shout out to Maureen. We, yeah, shout out to hey. Maureen. Hi, Maureen. Hey, Maureen. Yeah. Uh, there's no way she'll listen to this. one.
0: No, I was imagine uh, not, but nevertheless.
2: Uh, 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 and Mutombo was accepting a humanitarian award, I think is the concept behind that award is this correct yeah it is and um uh and i was like uh, and maureen had never heard his voice before and like the and like the party was like drowning out most of the sound from the thing we were just kind of watching to see that james harden won instead of you know really taking anything in and but and so and, and and maureen but maureen had never heard his voice before so we found a remote and we turned it up a little bit and she could only hear the high parts of his voice at first but then uh but then it like got to a point where she could hear the whoa, 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 part and she was like, Oh my god. Anyway, it was just a real like pleasure to share Mutumbo's voice with somebody the first time and then tell them the who wants to sex Mutumbo story. <laughs> uh, the uh, it's always the fun. greatest story of all time. You know who would not yell who wants to sex and then say their name? Uh David Robinson. Probably would not, not yell that. No. And that's sure what uh not. yeah. Anyway, continue.
3: David Robinson is a maniac this year. He's a man on a mission. He wins the MVP. He deserves to win the MVP. I think it's. I don't know if it's this year. It might be the previous season. But he, in one of the two seasons, he clocks a quadruple double. Um, which is obviously an insane thing that has happened. I don't even. Uh, Jason, do you happen to know how many times it's happened ever? Uh, there are, are four
0: players who have done it, uh, and Robinson and on, are, are, are two are two of the four.
3: There you go. Yeah, he has assists, steals, blocks. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, he has. I don't even remember. He has four, four obviously points and rebounds and blocks. And I think it ends up being assists and not not steals. Getting 10 steals is like insane. Um, so he gets a quadruple double. He also, uh, in keeping with his spite for Shaquille O'Neal, um, scores 71 points in a completely meaningless end of this literally last game of this season um, when they've already clinched home court advantage I think throughout even the finals um, totally a meaningless game and Shaq and Robinson are like neck and neck all season right and they um, and Robinson just pours in 71 points on a shitty Clippers team like to just sort of get those numbers and then he gets the scoring title by like a fraction of a point
2: is it possible that Robinson lost this series because Jesus Christ was punishing him for his hubris
3: it is definitely possible. Yeah. I bet it's certainly possible. Well, I don't well, actually don't want to speculate.
2: There's another religious possibility here, but we'll get to that in a minute.
3: Oh, interesting. But, yeah. But it's certainly possible that David Robinson has had that thought, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm being punished for my hu- yeah. hubris that I. Yeah. 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 Um, there was a hilarious conference call um, prior to I think it was this season or the year before. Um, where David Robinson was on a conference call and he's just always getting asked about Shaq. All the big men at this point in the league are constantly being most players, not even just big men are constantly being asked questions about Shaq because he's such a, such a nascent star, such a celebrity. He's such a new, he's Kazam baby. And David Robinson in this press, in this conference call, just sort of, goes on a bit of a monologue about how he doesn't care about Shaq and how he doesn't have what anybody wants. And it just kind of goes on for a while. Uh, and he's like, I'm not losing any sleep over it. I'll let you know I'm losing sleep over it. And it's like the most I'm I'm not mad kind of like monologue of the NBA 90s, perhaps. Like, I'm not mad about Shaq. I don't care about Shaq. And uh, so that like again sort of defines like this this competition that's going on between these big men, right? The two years of Jordan is gone, two big men win the MVP, all the sort of championship glory is decided between big men. Um and at this game, as you notice, as you noted, Moses Malone is a like a end of his end of his road, but bench warmer for the Spurs. But he's in the building, right? And uh Kareem is also in the building watching in the stands. There's a lot of big man energy. Why is Car-
2: yeah. Kareem there?
3: Because he wanted he wanted to go there for the big man showdown.
0: Yeah. Uh Dave yeah. Collins is an is a uh, assistant coach for the Spurs as well. So another uh another former big man MVP.
2: Uh of course Greg Popovich is in the building. He is seven feet tall. Uh fine, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. Apparently nobody <laughs> thought that was funny. All right. Yeah. Just, okay. That's just that's fine. So whatever. Yeah. I'm, sorry. Just, yeah. just, I'm sorry, yeah. I I'm sorry. Corbin,
0: stop ruining my show, okay?
2: I'm sorry, You, you can ruin your own show. show.
0: <laughs> this is this is a very serious show. We don't Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. This isn't take it or break it, no. you know. It's you know, it's not about goofs.
0: Not playing games, you know.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry guys. Okay. All right. You know, and we—I watched uh, Moses Malone had a lot of influence on Hakeem early in his career, though. Like uh, yeah. they, because uh, Hakeem, uh, in the offseason, he would work out with Moses, and Moses would apparently just like beat the shit out of him, yeah. and uh, and and like Hakeem's like test of will. Was to uh, go back and get more for, and get more heaping, get more helpings from Malone, like practice after practice. And apparently at the end of the season, this was between his uh, second and third seasons and uh, at the University of Houston. And apparently sort of in between there, uh, at, sort of at the end, uh, Hakeem finally like uh, uh, got one dunk off on him. And uh, it, you know, it's just a really inspiring story about how if we, uh, if we keep pu- pushing, someday we can all uh, humiliate the Moses Malones in our life.
0: Indeed, yeah, because I, I came came to the game late. I mean, he he was a relatively late to uh, to basketball, so he obviously had incredible athletic gifts. But he, um, you know, he he developed very very fast from being a raw project to being, you know, incredibly com- complete player. Uh, you know, even young in his career. I mean, he he could do. Everything as he matured, as you talked about, he obviously developed, you know, even, even better skills and better passing and you know, was was smarter at defense and all that good stuff. But I mean he was you know, a fairly complete player in terms of being able to do just about everything, you know, almost right away in the NBA. Yeah.
3: yeah. And so he comes up against David Robinson, right? And this is as as Jason you noted in our earlier conversations, a naturalized American citizen, Hakeem going up against a symbol of the U.S war machine David Robinson yeah. David yeah. Robinson look, literally. Look,
2: it's yeah it's time for me and John to start slandering David Robinson <laughs> well, Jason but- you don't need to join us but David Robinson uh went to West Point he was a uh, propagandist uh for uh, an American war machine uh he is a uh, he is uh he was at the time uh playing the part of a guy who was everything you wanted from an american athlete uh he respected the military uh before he received his mvp award he thanked uh he said that he was uh proud that he got the opportunity to uh glorify jesus christ with his
3: play on the court uh
2: this guy is insufferable <laughs>
3: I I mean, without even getting into uh, all the subjective wind that Corbin is throwing at our audience right now, David Robinson literally makes the Spurs wait for two years after they draft him so that he can do two years of service. Yeah,
2: yeah, because the military is like, you can go play professional sports. And he's like, no, no, no. I will will do my duty and uh, kill people for the government.
3: Yeah, he, he, even the military itself is like, David, it's not that big of a deal. And he's like, he's like, I am going to serve for two years. Um, David Robinson, at this point, there was like, I watched a video sort of talking about the Robinson Shaq beef. And there's, they literally contrast Shaq as, well, I don't think you really need to say anything about Shaq. We all know who he is, what his attitude is. And they contrast David Robinson by showing, a, a brief snippet of a commercial he was in a sort of advertorial um around this time where he was saying not to drink on prom night oh my <laughs> god <laughs> boo he is however a, a, complete, a complete berserker in this nba this season
2: can we cool, wait 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 are we done are we still done sl- are we done slandering david robinson we can, yet we can
3: we can vacillate we can
2: Okay, cool, because I've got because I've got more things to point out about Robinson He
3: is for all, you know, for all intents and purposes, Captain America. Right. He is definitely Steve Rogers. But
2: without but without the uh, but without the sort of humanity that Chris Evans brings to the performance, you know,
3: I, I don't want to completely rob David of his humanity. He was always respectful of his team, of his opponents, except for Shaq. Yeah, Shaq was the one who he really wasn't respectful to. He definitely respected Hakeem except for in this one moment at the beginning of this game. We specifically chose this game because it's the game in which Robinson is awarded the MVP trophy at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. Prior to the game David Stern cannot contain his grin whatsoever yeah he's because called- this the this
2: is the perfect guy to win this MVP. you know what i mean you know like uh oh fine finally we've got an american hero taking the trophy home you know none of this uh, none of this weird michael jordan stuff we have to cover <laughs> up all the time
3: right <laughs> yeah right david stern has gotten his way he's pushed jordan out of the league yeah, because,
2: uh, because Jordan liked gambling too much. he And so he had to serve a suspension because of...
3: And now he gets to hand <laughs> yeah. the trophy to a, a bridge player. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and he loves it. Hakeem makes the mistake, though, of giving deference to all recent recipients of the MB tre- MVP trophy, except for the man who had won it the year before, who was Hakeem Olajuwon.
2: Who was sitting right there.
3: who's sitting right there. And who was better than david robinson right oh. he hasn't he hasn't had a better season but he is the better player and all of these rockets role players certainly notice that this is happening and they very much remind hakeem of it as the game is starting right
2: unless i'm mistaken kenny smith says uh unless i'm mistaken kenny smith says something to the degree uh, it could be somebody else who knows there's no way to check uh says something to the degree of uh uh, man he's there uh, he's taking your trophy huh and uh, yeah. and he says uh, I will get the big
3: trophy that's what he says to all his dudes right and they know this is a part of what makes this this Rockets team so effective and so unique is just the way that they very suddenly sort of like rallied together like I don't want to get too airy here but spiritually right and yeah, Drexler is a, a new member of this team. But since he has such a long relationship with Hakeem, they played together in college. You know, they know each other from Houston, um, and they've talked over the years. And and for years, Hakeem and Drexler have, have said, just just wait until we can play together. I really hope that can happen, and now it's happening. And this team really is. It's
2: a, sh- a, sh- a shame it didn't go the other way.
3: We would have loved Hakeem in Portland. <laughs> oh, so dream, dream on!
2: Yeah. Portland Trailblazer legend Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah,
0: plus you could have had him and Drexler together. Yeah,
3: yeah. It's just like when Terry. It reminded me. Well, so Kenny Smith is an appropriate entry point because when Terry Rogier played really well in the playoffs this year, sort of for a lot of fans, came out of nowhere. From I certainly didn't have much of a awareness of Terry Rogier until he started just killing dudes in the playoffs this year um, during the TNT halftime or whatever. Kenny Smith said that it reminded him of Sam Cassell, who's on this Rockets team, right? Mm-hmm. And so to imagine these sort of a, a clutch play and postseason emergence of a guy like Terry Rogier, but on this Rockets team, that's happening with like four dudes. Yeah. It's just like all these dudes who you don't necessarily expect anything from all of a sudden playing out of their mind.
0: This reminds me a little bit of the 2011 Mavericks, um, you know, who were kind of built, yes. you know, they, they had the, the same, you know, one incredible player who was their main focus and then kind of built everything to you know perfect like kind of the perfect engine around him you know with the right role players they were a bit of an older team and obviously you know yeah. they had not already won a championship but i i feel like there's a lot of parallels in terms of you know the, the playoff run the expectations and kind of the way that they you know formed that team and, and how they, when they kicked to gear and you know were able to you know uh smash through teams especially you know especially in that finals
2: yeah, I mean, I mean, if the, the I mean, Houston is significantly younger and and like most of the dudes on Dallas were sort of washed in various degrees. But like, yeah, I think that that's a really good comparison.
3: This is um, you get to see. Obviously, they've won the previous year and Robert Ory was on the team then. But in this game, you see you see flashes of what's to come uh, from Robert Ory in in future years with the Spurs. And with the Lakers.
2: At some um, point in this game, they say that Robert Ori looks like Will Smith on the broadcast. Robert Ori does not look like Will Smith. I don't think it's it's
3: I, I think that it's there's a slight resemblance. I think, Jason,
0: uh, I think it's very slight, but uh, I mean he doesn't have the ears, which I think um, makes a difference. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like they both have flat tops. That's the most you can say. But so does uh, so did uh, Patrick Ewing at the time. Nobody would say Patrick Ewing looks like a. Uh, well, Will Smith,
0: well, uh, the the skin tone was more similar I think between, you know. Okay. Yeah. So right.
3: so did uh, J.R. Reed who's on this Spurs team. Yes. Uh, also another flat top for you. Uh, oh.
2: uh, the Spurs team, which I really have to stress, is probably the most loathsome collection of basketball players I've ever seen collected.
0: <laughs> well, they do have <laughs> hey, they do have Rod Do not and... disparage Do not disparage Terry Cummings, okay?
2: Let's uh, uh. <laughs> okay. All right, Terry Cummings, I'll give you. But okay. Doc Rivers, uh,
3: <laughs> Terry can stay. Terry can stay. They have Robin though, and they have Robin's best friend, who doesn't play, Jack Haley. Yeah, who true. is is such a good best friend to Rodman, Boy, who is so mercurial that when Robin gets traded to the Bulls, the Bulls have to eventually also acquire Jack Haley just to hang out with him. <laughs>
2: Jack Haley's like a big white guy, right? Is the, this is he's oh, yeah. like a he's like a big oh, yeah. white stiff if I
3: recall. Oh, that's so he's very rarely on the Bulls to Jack Haley even have warm-ups on. He's just in a suit pretty much. He's just taking up that roster spot, sitting in a suit, hanging out with Dennis Robin, a good friend of mine and, and of, you know, the blogosphere. Uh, Ricky O'Donnell and I were talking last night and he said when he was a kid, he did a drawing in school and he drew every player on the Bulls of the 95 96 bulls and they are all in uniform except he drew Jack Haley in a suit uh, <laughs> that's very good so he's on this first team which the can we they, talk briefly? they talk
2: about Rodman so much on the broadcast though was just Rodman the only thing anybody ever talked about with at the Spurs? time yeah no with anybody it just seems like they just can't stop talking about Rodman
3: yeah, well, Rodman's like punk punkiness is is pretty fresh at this point cuz he he was always a disruptive and and sort of wild player on the Pistons, but he was never like he was never this lifestyle god um on the Pistons. That happened when he went yeah. to San Antonio. It was a reaction to like losing his father figure in Chuck Daly. And to like in like losing his sense of identity from the Pistons and like reinventing himself, and
2: like meeting David Robinson and realizing how lame he was and just doing everything he could to not be like David Robinson.
3: I think it's fair to say that there is a ton of resentment in the tones of the broadcasters when they talk about Rodman in this game.
2: You know what? I, I watched another game that Walton called Walton seemed all right with him.
0: Yeah, it was the local broadcasters, so they, I, you know, they, they, I'm sure they knew extra stuff, and they were also very like, um, they, they kept referring to like national media reporters, like stirring up rumors or something, as if they were like, you know, making up things, and then they were, uh, and then yeah, they were clearly pretty um, dismissive of Rodman. You know, they, they even groaned when he took a three pointer, which was not the smartest shot ever, but, um, but they were you know pretty openly hostile to him there. I mean, the fact that it says something that they, you know, were only able to trade him for Will Perdue after this. I mean, Rodman was not uh, uh, you know, well regarded by a lot of people uh, during this time. You know, obviously he was still a good player, but the off-court shenanigans and the attitude stuff um, had, um, you know, I really only, I think, could have worked on the Bulls at, at this point. I don't think any other team really had the infrastructure to to handle
3: him yeah it's kind of insane i don't, I can't think of anything quite like that um maybe if if draymond green like turned turned his shenanigans up like a lot um yeah Dray- and, i mean draymond
2: definitely has whiffs of that around him especially you know and yeah. in, in how he regards thompson but
3: yeah he he causes a lot of stresses in the warriors organization it's but he's so good that you know they handle it but yeah. I think most. I also think most NBA teams can handle it because it's nowhere near what what Rodman was causing.
0: Yeah, I mean, Draymond's uh, responsible. Like, and it, like he seems like a re- relatively responsible person, you know. And and you know, he he does crazy things kind of on the court, but off the court, like he seems like he has it together from everything that I've read, at least. Uh,
3: and Rodman definitely.
2: I, I've, I've, I've heard he. I've heard he enjoys a drink from time to time.
0: Oh well, okay, but
3: I, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, he does yeah, usually yeah. get in a in a fight with a fan like every off season. At a yeah, ball. yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah but that's nothing close to the insanity that, that Robin was getting into Right. where the thing was that Rod, the bulls understood that like, they just, it just didn't stress them out that much. If he wasn't, if he was, a, as long as he was at practice and as long as he was at games and as long as he was playing out of his mind, which he did in which he didn't, he played out of his mind in San Antonio too. He didn't play very great in this particular, particular game. Actually, he didn't have a great game. Um, he does have to guard Hakeem at various points of this series though. Nah, and there's, you can't nope. do that. Yeah, no, nope. no, not. Even he can close. guard Shaq, though. He ends up guarding Shaq extremely well in the next season for the Bulls, um, but he it's can't because, guard. Him. I
2: mean, it's because it's because you can you can guile Shaq, but you, you can't guile Hakeem. There's nobody who's like, you know, more uh a guileful than Hakeem Elijah one.
3: This is going to be the third recent podcast I mentioned this on, but David Robinson takes Rodman out to dinner and tells, oh, him, yeah. that, tells him that Jesus is going to save his life. <laughs> And Rodman says, I, I can't live that life. Popovich hates Dennis Rodman. Um, they trade him for Will Perdue, as you mentioned, uh, who is not even good. Uh, um, and yeah, that's Rodman's brief stay on the Spurs.
0: And Rodman was like in his mid 30s at this point, too. So he was looking like, you know, th- there was also reason to think that he was going to decline. You know, I mean, it, it was not a good trade, but it was more understandable at the time than it, than it looks now, for sure.
3: The way that he played was not like that was, you know, that's a short timeline. You can't, yeah. He's, he's rough and, like I said, he's guarding Shaq in the post the next season. Like, you're so undersized. You're giving up so much size. Like, you can, you can definitely do it as he did through pure wiles and intelligence and willpower, but your body will break down. Who's even, who's even the comp? You know what I mean? Like, who's even the comp to that dude? For Rodman? Yeah. I mean, the closest thing is Draymond. They're yeah, but Draymond is so. yeah,
2: yeah. But Draymond is um, Draymond is not as hustly. Does that make sense?
3: Oh yeah, no, he's like not. Draymond, Draymond
2: is like definitely more cerebral.
3: Draymond's a way better offensive player, obviously. Uh, handles the ball better, passes better. Robin had that a little bit when he
0: was with the Pistons. It kind of post uh like uh early '90s, but but not to the degree that Draymond. Did.
3: Uh, Rob Rodman has never dyed his hair or gotten a tattoo or a piercing until he gets to the Spurs, right? Right. Uh, uh, Rodman also – but Rodman was a way better rebounder than Draymond, like um, a way better defender, even does though Draymond – a- Does
2: Draymond have a tattoo?
3: No, I don't think so.
2: Check this out. C- continue talking, gentlemen.
3: We got we to gotta have our Draymond – I think that Draymond may go down a Rodman phase. Like if things, if things go bad, if things eventually start to decay in the Warriors and he has to go somewhere else – Um, and he he loses that previous sense of identity, and he has to like go wild. It's something that we might have to look forward to,
2: guys. Draymond Green and his childhood friend NFL player Jonas Gray have matching tattoos reading "Easy" in the same font on the same arm.
3: Ah, that's nice, friends. What do you guys think about the Spurs? So the Spurs at this in this current day and age, their insignia is all black and white. At this point, in 1995, they have what they call the Fiesta colors.
2: Yeah, yeah, which are um, I don't know if you guys have the same associations with pink and uh, green that I do, pastel pink and green that I do, but those are like literally the colors of Japanese shouju comics. That's like that's like what Japanese girl comics use for colors.
0: So, so when I was in the in the early 90s, and this was I was fairly seriously into the nba at that point i was about 11 or 12 or so and uh the spurs for a while and david robinson himself were actually very cool and those colors were the 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 fiesta colors on my playground they were very cool And, and and in my defense like the way that david robinson played basketball was actually like really like awesome and Like aesthetically pleasing, and you know, he just got everywhere on the court. He was a great dunker, he had pretty cool commercials. Can we just just
2: pause for half a second, though? Okay, he like Hakim is just so much cooler, though.
0: Yeah, but I didn't see that at that point. I mean, I I agree with you. You know, 39 year old Jason agrees with you, but 12 year old Jason saw David Robinson a lot more than he saw Hakim for whatever reason, and uh, you know, and and was national
2: because the national media was trying to shove his Christian values down your throat, man.
0: Perhaps.
3: That David Robbins, Corbin is, as he's wont to do, getting a little carried away with his slander here. Sure. I think that, that a lot of what you're saying is valid, Corbin, but you're you're glazing over what Jason is saying, which is very true, which is that David Robinson was amazing to watch. Like, he was a complete maniac who did so many different things on the court with so much energy. Um also a guy whose body didn't, you know, couldn't do it forever, you know? When the time they ended up getting by the time they ended up getting Tim Duncan, it was like they needed that to stay a contender, right? Tim Duncan was pretty much better than David Robinson right away. Which isn't saying too much wrong about David Robinson, because obviously Tim Duncan's one of the best players. Yeah,
2: Tim Duncan is the best player, is the best player post-Jordan. Except maybe LeBron. Probably LeBron.
0: Yeah, I would say LeBron one and and Duncan too, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, Robinson was, yeah, and I think maybe a little undervalued in his career, just in general. I mean, he he was really, he was an extraordinary performer. I I talked about how great he was in 95 and how he deserved to be the MVP. I, I think the idea of whether Elijah won or Robinson um, was the better player during this era is actually, I think, a little bit more of a toss-up than, than you guys are are saying. I mean, I, I, I would agree with Akeem overall, but I think it's, like, I think it's very, very close.
3: Yeah, I just I personally am, am into, like, legacy stuff, you know? Like, who won and, like, who showed out during the big moments, you mm-hmm. know? And when a series like this goes down the way that it went down, that's just like an argument ender. I mean,
2: me. we are literally talking about a game where David Robinson got the MVP award and then got torched.
3: Yeah. Well, that, okay. Not torched as badly as I thought. Though yeah. It, that,
2: it, yeah. Not really.
3: Right. A team goes out for 41, but Robinson has an outstanding line in this game too. He does a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Elijah wanted 41 points, 16 rebounds on 61 true shooting. Uh, Robinson at 32 points, 12 rebounds uh, on 66% true shooting. He had Robinson had five turnovers. Uh, Akeem had four turnovers. Now, overall in the series, it's it's pretty massively in favor of Akeem. You know, uh, for Akeem, 35 points, uh, 12.5 rebounds on 56% shooting. Uh, Robinson only 23 points on uh, uh, 45% shooting. So yeah, clearly in the series, Akeem dominated. This game individually. Not quite as much. I mean, it, 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 obviously, it came at the better game, but it was it was fairly close here. And yeah, so if you look more at like the head-to-head stuff, it's actually like Robinson before this point. Uh, really, um, the 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 head-to-head was was very close in terms of numbers and team record disparity. It was overall in their career, it was thirty to twelve in favor of Robinson. Which you know, again, I I, I agree with you guys that this game and this series does say a lot. But I, there's other evidence that I think has been not really discussed very much to to i think that at least i think should be considered when we when we talk about this in general
3: yeah i think that a big part of it too is just the greatness of tim duncan has has led us to forget about david robinson a little more um because those legacies sort of just like were just there was no gap you know it just it was duncan the duncan era so quickly and the robinson era was over so quickly um and we didn't really get a time to appreciate it also ended you know what
2: i you know what i have to say about you know what i have
3: to say about that huh good i thought (laughs) you would say that um i feel like you developed these bad feelings for david robinson like over the last few days
2: oh i definitely did this look there's no better argument for uh no i definitely am developing jerry west feelings about david robinson yeah For people who don't listen to my podcast, I loathe Jerry West so much. Uh, uh, I think that he uh, lost over and over and over and over. Uh, He was just so thoroughly, insanely dominated by Bill Russell for a whole decade. Uh, He wrote a book where uh, he just sort of whined about stuff a whole bunch. He also had clinical depression, which I understand is a bummer. But there's literally a point in that book where he says, uh, uh, Bill Bradley used to refuse to do ads Ah, uh, because uh, he felt like his black teammates didn't get the same opportunities, and and Jerry West goes, I always really admired that, but but like the central thing of that dude is that he is like not. There's like not enough there to do the same thing as Bill Bradley in that situation or to overcome Bill Russell. There's just like no guts in that guy. He and like, and like, what did he do after he played in the NBA? He became a front office worm. You know what I mean? And he was like good at being a front office worm who was just, uh, who just hated himself back to front. I just, I love Jerry Webb. But anyway, yes. I'm starting to get some Jerry West feelings about David Robinson. First off, a propaganda tool for the American Imperial war machine. That's not good. Uh, Second, uh, uh, into Jesus in a way that I find just a little bit unnerving. Uh, Only won titles when he started playing with Tim Duncan. Uh, 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 told Janice Rodman to find Jesus, told people not to drink on their prom night. Um, at, at, look, at the beginning of this game, David Robinson, you know, I've already mentioned, is like, uh, I'm so glad that I get to bring glory to Jesus Christ. He then steps onto the court and gets so thoroughly torched by a practicing Muslim that you can't come away from that game not thinking that uh, Christianity is false and a lie. <laughs> And that uh and that uh Islam is the uh, is the way and the truth and the light. Uh, and then David Robinson would go on to get owned by Shaq over and over uh in the playoffs. Now given Robinson uh sort of beat him in two thousand three, but he didn't really beat him in uh, two thousand three. Ninety nine as well. No, Ninety
1: nine too. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: yeah, oh he beat Shaq in nine okay. I you know what? Fair enough. I'll give him three to two on Shaq, but Shaq is also a Muslim. I'm just saying that uh, that uh, he uh, spent a lot of time uh, getting beat by Muslims uh, while uh, professing uh, faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm just saying that uh, that really uh, stacks up to a big pile of evidence that, uh, you know, uh, Jesus so didn't die on the cross for our sins and that Muhammad is uh, the only prophet of uh, the one true God.
3: Do you, Corbin, do you think that um, David Robinson bums Jesus out? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's just like get your name out of my mouth, David Robinson.
2: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you're boring, dude. You know, you know, Jesus was a social radical. And and you, you think Jesus would have approved of David Robinson joining the military, man? You know, of uh, of being a part of the U- United States death machine, you know, of being a, a propaganda tool of the state? I you know, that's not the Jesus Christ I read about. Let me tell you that right now.
3: You want to know hilarious? Uh, detail of the latter days of the Shaq David Robinson beef yep, more than anything. Shaq um, started building up this. It's a lie. It's a complete lie. I buried <laughs> the lead, but um, Shaq started building up this myth that when he was in high school, Shaq played high school in San Antonio. He played uh he went to high school in san antonio and he made up this story about how he went to go see david robinson and asked for his autograph and robinson said no and that that had always motivated him against robinson and robinson was always like i don't remember that i don't know what he's talking about and Shaq was like it's true and he even published it in a book and then like several years after he retired he was like talking to i think ernie johnson and he was just like that was a lie i just made that up." <laughs>
2: Look, I'm just saying, everybody who Robinson goes up against, I can't imagine rooting for Robinson over them.
3: Yeah. That is, That's I'm all. with
2: you on that. I'm with you on that.
0: Yeah, in fairness though, Shaq is a literal cop. And also very pro-military, so
2: okay yeah yes that's true yeah but uh but uh, yeah uh, yeah so there's well, also problem look hakeem is like a pure like i could like like watching hakeem dominate uh robinson is just it's just pure joy and light like it's it's there it's a beautiful truth in this universe
0: there's a 1991 uh washington post article by michael wilbon of all people uh talking about uh, David Robinson recent uh, conversion and he credited it with, uh, r- writing to, uh, the Spurs owner, Red McCones and, uh, demanding that the uh, team, uh, be, uh, I think they were the last in the league to have to fly commercial and demanding that the, uh, the team, um, get charter flights so that they could, you know, not have the disadvantage that the rest of the league had. So, uh, so apparently at least in that aspect, uh, uh David Robinson embraced, uh, Jesus as a uh, social justice, uh, Methods.
1: Ugh.
3: <laughs> it, just, it disgusts Corbin. It does
0: disgust Corbin. I, I, this, t- this show took a turn I was not expecting. And I I'd try to expect anything when Corbin's on the show. So.
3: Yeah, but I just no,
2: I no. Everything I learned about David Robinson just makes me go, "This is not a person I would want to root for." C-
3: couple things I want to say about the Spurs aesthetically at this point. Sure, um, I prefer when they have some color in the uniform, as I prefer all sort of '90s insignia and in uniforms to current day stuff. Which okay. is all, right, all, all right, all right, all dra- right, uh, all right, Chicago. Shut up! Over <laughs> Shut here. up! Shut up! I'm talking. Um, <laughs> I prefer the maximalist, colorful, expressive stuff to the minimalist, drab austerity (laughs) fair of current days. (laughs) Terrible stuff. Especially these these warm-ups they have that are like collared shirts and they have the, you know, the Fiesta color stripes across them. I do kind of like the warm-ups. I'll give you the warm-ups. Yeah, the warm-ups are
0: actually kind of cool, yeah.
3: And they're playing in the Elmo Dome, which I believe is structured differently now and also is no longer where the Spurs play for over a decade. But there's this giant curtain that's like right next to the court. It's a pretty short amount of seating adjacent to the court until there's this, this giant curtain for whatever structural reasons, and it creates a different kind of aesthetic vibe to the broadcast of these NBA basketball games.
2: You know and what's I going heard? on behind
3: that curtain, right? What's happening? Orgy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that Jesus was behind it, um, just sort of spotting. Oh,
2: no, no, he is at an orgy.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, Jason. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's all right, Corbin. Okay. That's
0: all right. I, I, I should know what I was getting at.
3: And so... I, I just like it. It creates, you know, I might even say that the curtain is a big mood, and that uh, the NBA again, we have a bit of like standardization of aesthetics going on in the NBA right now. Yeah. Stadi- stadiums, and uniforms and looks are just a little too standardized for my liking. Yeah. You don't have these. You don't have these sort of idiosyncratic fairs. Yeah.
0: I I uh, I, I do actually see your point, John, and I'm not. A big fan of what kind of happened in the later '90s with things going way, way, way out of uh, you know control. But I do agree that the there is a bit of a standardization, especially since Nike took over uh, the uniforms, and hopefully that will change a bit. I mean, that's I think one thing like why the the Jazz uniform you know um, stood out as something like fun and conventional and different because no one else is doing anything like that. But um, but but yeah, I I do like the um, I also like the Spurs warmups. So
3: good observation it's just a lot more fun it was i think that like uh it's it's not a coincidence that as greg popovich took greater hold of the organization they lost the color right <laughs> he wants everybody to be the same and lame and part of his militaristic
2: another shit. yeah another yeah another loss of the color you know rodman's colorful hair got traded real quick that's true you know once got into town, yeah you don't feel like you're stretching this metaphor just a little bit? No, I really don't. Okay, fair enough. I think that Are I you... could stretch it
3: a lot further, actually.
2: Yeah, I... Oh you know what? All right, John. Continue.
3: Keep sure, going. Sure. Yeah. Um anytime somebody would come to the stadium with like a colorful tattoo, uh Greg Popovich as general manager in nineteen ninety five would um enter the stands with uh, a cheese a razor blade yeah, and yeah. get it get it off of their body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. could keep going. I'm not going to though. Okay. It's disrespect it's disrespectful to the to the audience. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I hopefully they're still here. I don't know,
2: but uh <laughs> <laughs> so... going entirely to the hard on David Robinson.
3: <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of David Robinson respecters have logged off. <laughs>
2: That's true. <laughs> also yes. Jerry West respecters, and every one of you is a coward. <laughs> Be the logo. I spent a decade destroying him. <laughs> I,
0: I would, uh, I would ask your feelings on Elgin what? Baylor, but I, I don't know if we have enough show? time for that. So, anyone, uh, we haven't really talked much about the actual game itself yet. I don't know how much we want to dig into um, into that. Um, as, as we already sort of talked about, I had sort of had the impression that this was a very one-sided individual game but it actually is a fairly you know um it's, it's a close game throughout most of it especially into the fourth quarter uh you know team-wise and uh you know Robinson has a very good game as well as a- a- Akeem does uh, anything stand out to you guys uh, in terms of uh you know performances that maybe some guys we haven't talked about or uh or or the the main players in question
3: Robert Ori is a total assassin in this game um as was his his emerging reputation at this time. He doesn't necessarily play great the whole game, but as the Rocket's starting to put the the game away, he just keeps making important shots. Um he's there's great. a
2: lot of dudes on the Rockets I think might have been a little bit before their time. Uh, uh, uh Ori certainly uh basically pioneered like a stretch like like a role player stretch four type thing. Uh, I kind of think Drexler might have been better in this era a little bit because I think that he is a slightly cleaner shooter uh than certain other shorting gu- shooting guards at the time and I think he probably would have excelled in the game today uh uh yeah I don't know
0: yeah Cassell obviously I mean I, I always yeah, Cassell, wonder certainly. I always wonder um what would have happened with the Rockets if they had not made the Barkley trade if they kept Cassell and Ori uh if they'd have been better off long term if they'd done that i mean um with with barkwood they did have one year where they came very close to making the finals but then you know faded pretty quickly after that i'm just wondering you know, having a younger team around um akeem might have been better for him in the and not sacrificing that depth would have been better for them in the long run
3: yeah i was thinking about that a lot too um i mean Ori went to
2: the lakers pretty soon after that and started winning titles so like uh, yeah, I'm not. not this right, isn't to say right away. Not this right isn't away. to this isn't to say that Ori that the Lakers won titles because of Robert Ori, although. Um, but I, you know, yeah. he was, he was helpful. With that.
0: Obviously, yeah. I mean, he I was. Mean, I
2: mean, Barkley's career is so strange because there are so many things about that dude's game that are sort of clearly uh, immutable. To being successful in a conventional way and he only blew through those things because he was such an incredible athlete and competitor you know what i mean
0: yeah he's kind of the closest parallel to rodman in a way i mean other than like being a superstar scorer rodman wasn't and and rodman was like better at like the role-playing type stuff but um but like personality disruption wise well Rodman was still more disruptive, but uh, but Charles definitely you know, gave him a uh, definitely was up there.
2: He gave him a run for his money. Yes, so exactly. Speak.
3: Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I was. I think about, about that Bar- I think about that Barkley trade a lot. Um, I mean, I was a big fan of like the Barkley Rockets. Um, I liked those. Not to harp on it, that a lot, but I liked those uniforms that they transitioned into. Um, oh, which, hey, John. Wow. Uh,
2: John, quick question. John, quick question. Um, yeah. You didn't have a problem with the fact that they were completely hideous. <laughs>
3: Um, no, because they weren't. They were actually dope. Yeah, no, expressive. they're
2: not. No, they're actually they're uh, revolting. They're disgusting.
3: You know, it's an interesting opinion. I'll take yeah. it into consideration. So
2: gonna, gonna, however,
0: if, if we were on here right now, he would be yelling at you, John. Your, your friendship would be over with him. So I just. just... Yeah,
2: because um, yeah, I'm just looking at him right now. It's. Um. They have, uh, they have, uh, like five stripes across the front, uh, you know, five stripes, the number of stripes you want to see on something. Uh, they have a, they have a hideous font, uh, for the uh, number and they have an even more hideous font that has these like, uh, mm, I, let's call them motorcycle serifs. Uh, and, uh, and there is a, a rocket, uh, 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 going around the earth. Uh, and also the rocket has teeth and a mouth.
3: Okay, yeah, I was, I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought you were going to leave out that the Rocket is grinning. Which uh-huh. is what yeah. ties the whole. Which is what ties the whole thing together, actually.
1: Oh, oh really? Um,
3: yeah, yeah, because because everything you're saying is true, but then you you give a grin to that rocket that's taking off, and it just takes it so far beyond the line that we've gone somewhere. I might say ecstatic. We've gone somewhere transcendent.
2: You're, you're saying this is a this is a this is the Jeff Kuhn sculpture of rockets of uh, NBA. Well, I those. think
3: I think that's being quite complimentary to Jeff Koons.
2: Oh, I,
0: I apologize. Is this the so the rocket looks angry to me, not smiling. It's
3: a it's a sort of um, a happy anger, maniacal grin. OK, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Like a... Is, and, and it
3: goes nicely with the court design where it has that huge takeoff stream and like an explosion. It made court.
2: I, I I don't even know what you're talking about right now. So I'm the going the court to, design uh, that the Rockets had when they had Oh my it. Lord,
1: what is this? <laughs> all
2: right, this all right, this court design is truly insane. I love
3: it. I love it. Like, <laughs> I love it. Like I love that over the top stuff.
2: For people who haven't seen it, it's the Rockets logo that's on their jerseys. Just hideous, just completely hideous. But the rocket is uh coming out of an explosion on the south side of the court.
3: Yeah, rules. It's so good. Um, I also love the, and I think that we probably won't have a lot of pushback on this. I love the the uniforms that the Rockets had in this game that we watched. Um, I think those are classic. Oh. I think I think both of the uniforms don't that we're that discussing
2: about them? that they don't have an incredibly gross font and a weird Draymond Green looking rocket on them.
3: <laughs> you think it looks like Draymond Green? Has um, Draymond
2: Green spirit is. <laughs>
3: I think both of the uniforms under discussion right now are far superior than the ones that they wear and have. I, say, I don't care for the ones they wear now. No, oh, when they had the like yellow flares on them a couple of years ago, it was, they were straight up McDonald's uniforms. Yeah, they need new uniforms, probably. I mean, I think they should just go back to some of the old ones. I guess NBA teams aren't allowed to like just completely use old uniforms um they have to like do some like new version of some, the old thing. Those baby need to uh... Well, they never change it though. I think like after you change it you can't just go back full time to what you had before. It might be a repercussion of the Nike deal. I don't really we'll know. Let's see
0: this the Rockets yeah, yeah, that's been a rule for a while. I'm not sure where it comes from, but I bu- I believe that is true. Yes.
3: The Rockets
2: should uh the Rockets should do uh should do smiling rocket throwbacks though.
3: Yeah, I they mean... don't do they don't even do the throwbacks for either of these uniforms, which I think If I could buy, like, this 95 jersey, the classic, just sort of, like, red and white, you know? If I could buy that, a Chris Paul jersey, I would buy it. I would buy that jersey.
2: Can I tell a story that's maybe a little bit too
3: esoteric? Why not? (laughs) Okay. So,
2: at this party I was at last night, um, are you guys familiar with Trill Blazin'?
3: Uh, Yes. Yeah, the Twitter account.
2: Yeah, it's a Twitter account, but it's also kind of a sportswear brand that does sort of, like, a a high-concept... Portland Trailblazers related graphic design novelty shirts. They're not. I feel like novelty might be a bit of an insult. There, a lot of them are actually very, very, very pretty. Uh, the um the LeBron uh, come to Portland billboard. They were behind that. Uh, uh the, you know, uh, a lot of fun. But anyway, I'm i acqu- I'm acquainted with the with the dudes who run Trailblazing, and um and we were at a party last night, and I and he and Keith well, was not there, but Keith's wife uh, Hannah was there and uh and uh and hannah was talking about how keith is getting into um sneakers that are uh sure. they, they're, they're like dark blue with green accents they have way too much panel like these shoes are just uh, out of control like i feel like any sort of objective view of these things would determine that they were a design disaster but like Keith is just so deep into sneakers now that like good looking sneakers don't mean anything to him anymore. like now he like like now he is attracted to like sneakers at the fringes of taste and I, and I think that like in this time you know especially you know the political situation uh the aesthetic situation, like maybe it's time to return to uh, smiling rocket uh rockets uniforms, you know
3: absolutely. I don't think that Hakeem's essence was compatible with those. Oh, no, certainly not. The team though.
2: looks unbelievably ridiculous in those uniforms.
3: Yeah, and I, I think it's it's no coincidence that the Rockets ceased to be true title contenders the, the moment they started wearing those uniforms.
2: Right. Hakeem is the most dignified motherfucker. I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> is the most dignified dude who has probably ever played professional sports. Like like he just exudes so much respect.
0: So much grace and and poise. It doesn't. Yeah. Like like like
2: like you could say Kareem, but Kareem is also like pretty neurotic. You know what I mean? Or. Uh, or or, uh, or or dudes like that, but Hakeem is just like Hakeem walks into a Hakeem literally like walks into rooms and like gives people his post playing essence in his po in his post playing career. Like that's what he does with his time now is like deign to deign to offer one shred of his uh one shred of his beauty on you. You know what I mean?
3: Did you, did you guys read that um, Steve Francis Players Tribune article? Basically, he has this anecdote about how when he was a rookie, they forced him to sit next to Hakeem on the planes and on the buses to sort of learn from him because, obviously, Steve Francis is sort of young and boisterous and punky. And um, Steve Francis
2: does not look ridiculous in a uniform with a smiling rocket
3: on it. It su- it perfectly suits him, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's this anecdote about how... Steve Francis is blasting Jay-Z on his headphones while he sits next to Hakeem, who is reading the Koran. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's, the article is like a masterpiece. Like, the whole thing is like this. There's also a great anecdote about another player in this game, Sam Cassell, where like, they're both Baltimore dudes, I guess. And during his rookie season, there was an occasion where Steve Francis went out with Sam Cassell um, the night before a game. And they got super drunk together or whatever, and they were having a great time. And then, like at the end, very end of their hangout, Sam Cassell is like, "I'm gonna kill you tomorrow night. Like, I'm going to destroy you. You drank entirely too much. It's over for you." And then, like Sam Cassell destroyed him the next night. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <good> times. <laughs> So, uh, so anybody got anything else I'd like to uh, discuss about uh, about Hakeem, about about Robinson, about uh, '90s big men in general?
2: My main, my main takeaway that I want the audience to hear: Hakeem good, Robinson bad.
0: All right, okay. very nice closing, Corbin. very distinct, Sean?
3: I think that you know it's just it's a fun time capsule because as soon as Jordan comes back, yeah, it's at this over. Point,
2: it's at incredibly point, over
3: at this point. Yeah, he's already back, um, and it's weird. Like the ma- the main foes that stand in the way of the Bulls are not even big men at this point, really. Right? They face the Magic the next year, and the Bulls just sweep them. They kill them, and you know it's it be- becomes a more modern league, um, and just a sort of weird little two-year window where it's like it was the big man's league again. And of course Shaq has his dominant years with the Lakers later, but there are a lot of caveats to that and yada, yada, yada.
2: can we very briefly, can we very briefly touch on a meta topic here? Do you think Hakeem could have taken one off Jordan?
3: Um, I don't know that I, it's hard because 93, 94 would have been the year they would have met theoretically. Um, and the Bulls, I don't think, you know, I don't think after the first or second three, Pete, the Bulls were necessarily going to be in shape to go back to the finals. Um, in, in 93, when the Rockets were starting to get good again and they are playing the Bulls. You know, the Rockets really took care of the Bulls actually. Yeah. Vernon Maxwell. I, unless
2: I'm mistaken, Hakeem is maybe the only player who has a winning record against Jordan or something along those lines.
3: Yeah, Vernon Maxwell actually played really well against Jordan because he was he was really good at jabbering and keeping up with that same level of insane intensity. Um and so he kept Jordan kind of busy. Um and, you know, they had a lot of guys who could get physical with Scotty like Otis Thorpe and and Ori. Um, it would have been the most challenging if the bulls went to the finals again in 94 and placed uh played against the rockets i think it would have been the most challenging opponent
0: yeah, yeah that, you know, that would have been a fun thing for for sure yeah it's weird how i never thought about how the big men kind of faded right after that i mean it was i guess kind of mostly the aging of elijah one and ewing what with and, and robinson with the back injuries and then Shaq just kind of you know not really uh, Whatever kind of happened, he had some injuries and um, obviously left Orlando. And-,
2: and also he, and also he liked spending his spare time uh, appearing in movies where he was a genie who lived in a boom <laughs> There was also
0: that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Well, Shaq uh, wasn't so focused until he got yeah. to Los I,
3: I, the last. The last thing I, I want to say is that I think that David Robinson's deepest, darkest secret is that his favorite movie is actually Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I just love it. <laughs> Shaq, Shaq's a winning presence. <laughs> very nice. Can I very briefly break down the two things sure, real quick, yes. Jason? Take It or Break It is my podcast. More John's on it a lot, like, yeah. like once a week. And we talk about sort of current sports topics on that. Uh, sometimes it's a game show. Sometimes it's not. It's usually a little g- goofy, high energy. It's a lot of fun. You should listen to it. But John and I are co-hosting a Take It or Break It um, sub-show that you can uh, subscribe to. It's over on uh, Patreon, www.patreon/ slash Take It or Break It. Uh, and where we are, we are discussing basketball history... Um, but we're, what we're doing is that we're focusing on one topic and we're talking about it for a real, for as long as we can. And right now we're, right now we're talking about Michael Jordan.
3: And so every week, we're squeezing all the toothpaste out of the Michael Jordan. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We we've done, we've done a few games so far. Uh, we're going to read some of the book. We're going to read Jordan rules. We're probably gonna read Halberstam's book. We're probably going to read the wizard's book. Uh, stuff like that, and we're gonna, you know, and we're gonna, we're just, like, doing everything we can with Michael Jordan. I think we know what we're gonna talk about next, too. But it, but that won't be for quite a while. Correct. Thank yeah. you so much for having us, James. Yes, thank you yes, very much. Yes,
0: thanks me. so much for coming on. This this was great. And
2: our, our regards to Rich, of yes. course. Yes, of course
0: course you can find us on the step back where with the uh, free agency and all the uh, crazy news that's coming up you can keep up with that and find some uh, other fun podcasts and articles and analysis and all that good stuff uh, follow us on twitter at over and back nba we're also on facebook at over and back nba as well so uh find us on itunes stitcher rate us and review us all that good stuff so thanks for listening we're back again soon